from New York Center. Mr. Speaker, tomorrow night at sundown uh, is the first and second day of Tishrei in the year 5,770 of the Jewish calendar. The 10 days of repentance begins with Rosh Hashanah and ends with Yom Kippur. That's the voice of the late Monty Quinter, the long-serving Liberal member of Ontario's legislature in 1999. He was standing up at Queen's Park and making sure his Jewish community's important faith days were noted by the official provincial record. Quinter, though, came to politics in midlife. His family last name was famous in Ontario because of his brother's gourmet Quinter hot dog business. But Monty pursued other avenues before politics. First, he had a career in real estate and also in industrial design. He brought the tall ships display to Toronto's harbour. He worked for a time for B'nai B'rith. And he and his late wife Wilma once owned a Jewish summer camp called Camp Kawagama in northern Ontario. But in 1985, Quinter entered politics under Liberal Premier David Peterson, who made him a cabinet minister, and then he kept being re-elected, even when the Liberals were turfed out and were in the opposition, first under NDP Premier Bob Ray, and then under Mike Harris and Ernie Eves of the Progressive Conservatives. When Dalton McGuinty began the long Liberal return to power in Ontario, he made Quinter his Solicitor General. And in 2018, when Quinter stepped down from politics due to ill health, at age 87, he set a new record. Even when fortunes turned for the Liberals, Monty kept getting re-elected. He got elected nine times. That's hard to do. He was there for 33 straight years. I'm Ellen Besner, and this is What Jewish Canada Sounds Like for Tuesday, July the 25th, 2023. Welcome to the CJN Daily, a podcast of the Canadian Jewish News, sponsored by Metropia. I interviewed Monty Quinter once in 2015 in his Queen's Park office. He was a parliamentary assistant then under Premier Kathleen Wynne. His office was full of memorabilia from his long career, 33 years in politics. Some say it was thanks to his urging that Ukraine finally built a monument to the Holocaust victims at Babi Yar in Kyiv after Quinter was on an official trade delegation and wondered why there wasn't one. He also started a tradition where the Ontario government honours Holocaust survivors every November, and he brought his premiers to Israel on trade missions. But perhaps his most famous political battle was one he did not win. He fought with his own party over why Ontario funds public and Catholic schools, but not religious ones, especially Jewish ones. Coming up, we'll speak to several people. Alf Quinter, a cousin who was a baby when Monty and his family brought him over from Europe with his parents, who had survived the Holocaust, and with Peter Sherman, a former Conservative MPP who knew Quinter well. But first, I'm joined by Steve Pakin. He's host of TVO's public affairs show, The Agenda, and Pakin joins me now. Ellen, good to see you again, although, as they say, uh, on better occasion. Of Simchas is right. But who better to talk about the importance of Monty Quinter's political career in Ontario than you? Uh, I wonder if you knew him well. You know, I knew him a long time. Let's put it that. I mean, we, we first met in 1985 when he ran for provincial parliament, Queen's Park, for the first time. And he was a bit of a surprise candidate. You know, he came from the private sector. And the Liberals were 25 points down going into that election campaign. And I'm 
I'm sure there were a lot of his friends and colleagues who thought, Monty, what are you doing? Uh, David Peterson has no chance at all to be the next premier of Ontario. The Tories have been in power for 42 years. What are you thinking? Well, you know, Ellen, politics is a funny business. And um, that 25 point gap disappeared and the liberals ended up uh, winning that election. And in June of 1985, David Peterson was sworn in as the 20th Premier of Ontario, and Monty Quinter was his Minister of Consumer and Commercial Relations and Minister of Financial Institutions. It was such a small minority government, I think just 48 seats out of 125, that uh, a number of ministers who had some experience had to double up on portfolios. And Monty was one of those who got two portfolios. And, um, and I was in touch with David Peterson over the weekend, and he said he never worked with anybody in his years in politics, who loved politics more than Monty Quinter. I'm surprised to hear that, but not surprised because when you go, I went to his office uh, to interview him for my book and his office was full of, he even was so proud to show me his new birth certificate. Speaking of consumer relations, he pulled it out. He had a, a, also a, um, a license plate displayed in his office again part of his portfolio when when you had a minister responsible for the license plates that's cool let me jump in on that because 25th premier of ontario kathleen Wynne, told me a very similar story over the weekend which was she can remember a time when she went to his home for an event and monty said here come into the basement i want to show you some stuff and he had all of his memorabilia from every plaque every trophy every every chachka every whatever that any group that he had dealt with over the years gave to him. Premier Wynne's takeaway was this was a guy who cared deeply about all of the people he interacted with in public life, and it stayed with him. Now, being Jewish in the Ontario legislature at the time, there were many, many sort of governments where there were maybe one, maybe two, but he was the senior sort of Amenos Grise at the time, right? What was his legacy? What was his role in the sort of Jewish frame in politics? Controversial, I'd have to say. Monty Quinter was always on board for the notion of giving some kind of public support to Jewish parochial schools. That was his personal position. It was not the position of the Ontario Liberal Party. And I think we're going to go back here about 20 years. I think it was the Ernie Eves government, progressive conservative, uh, in 2002, 2000, yeah, something like that, 2002, that brought in what they called the uh, equity in education tax credit. And this would give, it, wouldn't, it wasn't you know, full complete funding of, of uh, Jewish parochial schools, but it was a tax break for parents who wanted to send their kids to Jewish schools. And the thinking was, you know, Catholics have a fully funded, publicly funded school system. Uh, other religions should have some support as well. Monty was on side with that. He agreed with that policy. Well, 2003 comes, the Conservatives lose, Dalton McGuinty and the Liberals come in, and one of the first things Mr. McGuinty did was cancel that program. And Monty opposed the cancellation of that tax credit and did so publicly. But I, th I think he was respected enough that he didn't resign over the matter. He was in Mr. McGuinty's cabinet, and Mr. McGuinty did not fire him over opposing government policy. There was sort of an understanding that this is Monty's private personal position that he has held for decades and he's allowed to. And so the tax credit died, but Monty's political career continued. But then he became, I, I'm gonna say only in brackets, parliamentary secretaries. Does that mean it was a demotion or was it his choice? What was that all about? 
McGinty wins in 2003. He goes for re-election in 2007 and wins. And that's the point at which Monty Quinter was dropped from cabinet. And look, um, I'm trying to do the math here quickly. 2007, Monty would have been, what, 75, 76 years old at this point? So, you know, there was a pretty good, if you'd read the tea leaves, it was pretty clear that Mr. McGinty wanted to put some new faces in cabinet. And a number of people, I think Jim Bradley was one, David Ramsey was one. These are names that may mean something to people who've followed politics for a while in Ontario. And Monty was another who whose time had simply come. And Mr. McGinty and I were actually emailing over the weekend, and he told me, look, I needed to put some uh, uh, the next generation of leaders in cabinet. And that's when Monty got the parliamentary assistance job to the Minister of Economic Development or International Trade, whatever it was. And, and of course, that was right in his wheelhouse, because that was a job. He had that minister's job under David Peterson. And so, uh, you know, I remember, well, he didn't show up at the legislature for a few days. He was hurt. Um, he, he, I mean, he was disappointed. Let's put it that way. So he went away, he licked his wounds for a while, and then he came back and, you know, dove back in. And there were a couple of names we should mention. You mentioned Jim Bradley, but in terms of the Jewish legislative people, there were Eleanor Kaplan, him. Um, who else were in the Jewish uh, political well, okay, sphere at the time? Uh, there was another guy named Ron Cantor who had been a Toronto City Councillor, and he was a one-term MPP in that caucus as well. But, um, you know, it, it, you're right to say you could probably count the number of people there uh, on the fingers of one hand. The Premier's Chief of Staff at the time was Herschel Ezrin, a proud member of the Jewish community. So there was that as well. But, you know, there have never been uh, a lot of Jews at Queen's Park. I think the current government of Ontario has won, right? Michael Kersner, the Solicitor General. In the same so, writing. In the same writing. Yeah, same coincidentally job, enough. Yes. General. Is that a Jewish job that people want them to be in that? It seems like it. <laughs> Not to my knowledge, but... Um, but anyway, and of course, Eleanor Kaplan's son, David Kaplan, was there as well uh, as a cabinet minister in Mr. McGinty's government. So I don't know if you can say, you know, that, that, that they were sort of unofficially vying for who got to be the senior most Jewish cabinet minister. But but clearly, Eleanor Kaplan came in in 85, Monty Quinter came in in 85. And I think the two of them were were pretty clearly the senior most members of that cabinet when it came to the Jewish community. Mm-hmm. And do you have any anecdotes as far as um, your personal, did you ever interview him on your show or... Uh... You didn't write a book about him yet, but I'm I'm waiting. Uh, no, I didn't write a book about him. But yeah, we as I say, we knew each other for such a long time. And let's put it this way. You know, for your people who are listening in York region, there's a street there called Major McKenzie Drive. And it's named after a guy named Lex McKenzie, who was a World War I vet. And he was a member of a provincial parliament for York North, which is in York Riding back in the day. And he was the oldest MPP ever. He served till he was almost 82 years old. And I remember as Monty Quinter kept getting reelected and reelected and reelected, I remember thinking to myself, I better check this because I think he's got a shot at being the oldest MPP ever. And I, at, about three weeks before, I guess his 82nd birthday, I went to him and I said, you do realize you're going to become the oldest MPP ever once you turn 82. And he said, I didn't know that. Thanks for telling me. And as a result, the Liberal Party put together a bit of a reception for him at Queen's Park, and the three liberal premiers that he ended up serving with, so that's David Peterson, Dalton McGinty, and Kathleen Wynne, all showed up, and it was a really lovely event. And by the time he retired, again, he's one of the few who didn't get thrown out. He left of his own volition in 2018, 
And by the time he left, I guess he was about 87, just over 87 years old. And that's been the record for a decade. He has the record and has had it for a decade for being the oldest MPP ever. But he will probably lose that title in a few months because the Tories have somebody today who's going to turn 87 in November. And if he serves till Christmas, this is Raymond Cho, who appropriately enough is the minister for seniors. And uh, if he can hang in there till Christmas, uh, he'll be the oldest MPP ever. But Monty will have had the record for a decade, which is saying something. As I mentioned earlier, Alf Quinter's family owes a lot to his cousin Monty and to Monty's late father, Aaron. Alf is a Toronto lawyer. His parents were Holocaust survivors from Czestochowa in Poland, where the whole Quinter family came from. After the war, Monty's father brought them to Canada, and they lived in Monty's house. Alf Quinter joins me now. Thank you, and nice to be here, Ellen. That's uh, too bad it's a sad occasion. It is too bad. Our condolences to the Quinter family. Uh, you are Quinter. What is the relationship? Monty's father and your... Father were brothers. Your father was? My father was Zalman. My father had a store in the Kensington Market. Monty's father was Aaron, uh, and uh, there were four brothers that came to Canada from Częstochow, Poland. Monty's father, Aaron, and my other uncle, Naftuli, had the sense to leave Poland before the war. They both came to Toronto. Both of them, I think, did quite well. And after the war, my parents ended up, of course, in Lager, in concentration camp, having lost a very substantial part of the family, as did Dave, my one of the other brothers, Duvit or Dave, he also lost his family and they stayed in Poland, ended up in the, the same concentration camp, making German artillery shells. But after the war, Monty's father and my uncle Naftoli brought both his brothers, their brothers to Canada, my father Zalman and Dave to Canada in 1947. Now, you were mentioning that they did quite well. So Aaron and Naftuli, were they both in the meat business together? This all goes back to Poland. The family in Poland was in, was in the business of raising and shipping geese. We were in the goose business. We shipped geese, apparently, all over Europe. It was called a pacharnik, my mother told me. So when Naftuli came over, he opened a butcher shop at Baldwin and Spadina, which then moved to Shelburne and Bathurst, one of the landmarks of the Jewish community, Naftali's Butcher Shop. I remember all the sawdust on the floor. Aaron started Quinter's Foods, which eventually evolved into his son Jack's famous Quinter hot dogs. But was their last name a bit different before they came to Canada? Can you talk a bit about that? Right on. The name in Poland was Quinta, K-W-I-N-T-A. And we have a branch of our family living here who never did change their name. So there are Quintas, and there are Quinters, all related. But he was a lot older than you, of course. He was the generation that was born in between the two wars. That's right. Uh, 1931. How well did you know him? We knew Monty fairly well, probably not as well as many others, but we did got, get to know Monty, especially uh, late, lately. He became very close with a, a lady friend, and uh, she brought Monty very much uh, to us and back to us. And we saw them a lot in Florida. We celebrated Monty's, I think, 80th birthday on my boat in Florida. Did you, you didn't live in his riding, did you? No, uh, we did not. But I was, uh, we were in it all the time. And you'd always see Monty out on the street corners campaigning. It didn't matter what party won the election. Monty always won. 
he was truly beloved by his constituents. I mean, there's just nothing he would not do for, 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 for his constituents. And it didn't matter who was in power, Monty would always win. Why did he go into politics? His kids will probably be able to answer that better than I can. But Monty was probably destined for politics because he'd had a lot. Of, he'd held a lot of very important positions. He was head of the, uh, uh, I think he was head of the College of Art or very prominent there. He was chairman of the Harbor Commission. He was very high up in B'nai B'rith. Uh, he was definitely destined for politics. So for people who aren't from Toronto who will be hearing this, you know, talk a bit about his um, championing of Jewish community things while he was in politics too. He would have no hesitation in putting on a kippah and lighting a candle in St. Kaddish in the legislature on Holocaust Day. Monty had no qualms about putting his Jewishness first and foremost, and for that we were all very, very proud. And I, you mentioned at the end that he had a lady friend because his wife passed away a long time ago, Wilma. Wil- Wilma passed away. She was a lovely lady. And uh, I remember sitting with her parents. at the. We used to have famous Quinter Seders with 60, 70 or more people because one of our cousins owned a hotel. Actually, two of our cousins owned a hotel near the airport, the, the Cambridge. And we used to have Quinter Seders. And I, we actually recently dug up the video of the very first Quinter Seder, which I'm determined to get everybody's kids and grandkids to eventually see. And can you talk a bit about his health challenges briefly towards the end of his life? I know he stepped down in 2018. Unfortunately, Monty uh, was afflicted with dementia and uh, it was he went to Kensington. We saw him a number of times there, but eventually Monty did not know uh, who he was seeing or who was coming to see him. But I will tell you this, that Monty broke most of the records of all my cousins and uncles in particular, and his his dad died very young, Aaron. I remember his dad, I think, died in his 50s. Very few quinters have made it into their 90s. And Monty sort of broke, broke the record for that. But he is the end. He is, there's so many first cousins around, because the first cousins being the children of the four brothers, the two who came before the war, two who came after. And the only ones left now are my brother and I, and Dave's two children in Vancouver, Marilyn and Alan, because Monty is the last of a generation. How old are you now? I'm 77, going to be 78 in October. Poo, poo, poo. But there are many, many grandchildren. Can I horror? There are many great-grandchildren. There, there are a lot of quinters, all starting with four brothers, two who came before the war, two who came after the war. And every time you said the name Quinter, people would always say, are you related to Monty? And we were always very happy and proud to say we absolutely are. And let's bring in Peter Sherman now. Sherman was an MPP, but a conservative in the riding of Thornhill. And although he sat on the opposite side of the legislature, he was glad to be part of Monty's Jewish cohort at Queen's Park. Uh, I guess we should tell the audience uh, kind of how you knew him. In what context did you know him? Well, I was a member of provincial parliament for Thornhill and Thornhill, uh, two, two, two things there. Thornhill adjoins York Centre and he was member of provincial parliament for York Centre. So we had Steeles Avenue in common. That's for starters up in uh, northern Toronto and the GTA. 
And secondly, there were not a lot of Jewish people in the legislature of the province of Ontario, but Monty Quinter and I were two of them. I think at one time the only two, but uh, we may have at one time been joined by others. I can't remember. So let's talk about when you first knew about him. Monty, um, it was a, it was a slow friendship in the sense that I could talk to him, but for anybody who knew him, he was a quiet man. He wasn't boisterous. He was not the kind of guy who would jeer the opposition when question period happened. He would sit quietly. That was who he was. And he was a very proud man as well. Now, how championing was he of Jewish causes in the Jewish community while he was in politics? What did he do? He was exceptionally um, a champion for Jewish background and, and very particularly the Holocaust. There was um, a day, I believe it was in the fall, where people who were of exceptional note would be honored. And Monty organized that and Monty chaired it. So last thing, Peter, um, being Jewish in the legislature at the time when you guys were there, uh, did you institute anything else that is a tradition now? I mean, a candle lighting, uh, Yantif, uh, I don't know, Hanukkah, anything? Well, sure. Uh, pretty well all the things you mentioned. We, there was a Hanukkah party every year. Um, the Chabad people would, uh, would put a menorah up on the grounds of Queen's Park. Uh, on uh, Yom HaShoah, uh, generally Monty would rise on uh, and uh, make a motion to recognize the, uh, the Holocaust and would, uh, would lead the, uh, he, he would ask for permission to speak in a language other than English or French because the official languages of the legislature are English or French. And all that meant was he was going to say Kaddish. And there were very few people in that legislature who could say Kaddish. I obviously could. So I would, I would say it with them. Those kinds of things, um, you know, you, you, because we're remembering Monty today and you're asking these questions, come flooding back to me. But um, I remember when he lost his wife, Wilma, I went to the funeral and uh, he had been, I think the last portfolio he held in cabinet was solicitor general which has uh, a lot to do with the operation of the Ontario Provincial Police. And he apparently had quite a good relationship with them for the entire duration of his um, ministerial role. And they had, they had promised him that uh, if when he died, there would be a mounted patrol outside the synagogue, the whole thing. Well, that funeral was at Holy Blossom Temple and when I got there, not only was then Premier McGinty and his entire cabinet in attendance, but there were horses parading up and down outside because they hadn't forgotten that Monty was Solicitor General. And although it was his wife, they uh, celebrated her life by uh, doing what mounted police do. I was quite impressed. That's a beautiful story. Peter, thank you so much. I'm sorry to have to uh, speak to you at this time, but it's really, really been interesting to hear your memories of, of Monty Quinter. Well, and it's a good thing, even though we've lost him, to remember a fine fellow like Monty. Thank you. And that's what Jewish Canada sounds like for this episode of the CJN Daily, sponsored by Metropia. Integrity, community, quality, and customer care. Our condolences to the family and friends of the late Monty Quinter. He leaves behind four children and many grandchildren. Now, his funeral is private, but there is a link to watch it starting at 10 o'clock Tuesday, Eastern Time. And we've put that link for you in our show notes. And you can send me your memories of Monty Quinter. I'm at ebesner at thecjn.ca. We use it for our printed tribute. Thanks for listening. <laughs>